Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Welcome to the show. And yes, back in the studio, and uh, I won't punish your ears with the clicking of the ATR2100 on this show. So <laughs> <laughs> It didn't sound that bad. <laughs> well, Ray Ortega sent me an email. He said, or not, sent me a Slack message. He said, dude. <laughs> What's Don't, going on? Yeah, said so, you know hand hand holding that mic and uh, oh you know, yeah, but it's yeah. supposed to be a it's dynamic. It's not supposed to have that rumble of a condenser. But I right, <laughs> I, I apologize in advance. But anyway, hey, good morning, and of course, uh, morning, Rob. How are you? Doing doing great, Todd. It's been quite a week in in the podcasting space this week. Lots of. <laughs> Lots of award announcements. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just uh, it 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 uh, okay. It is what it is. So for those of you that haven't heard the, uh, and those of you that did not know this, iHeart has said they are going to do the first ever. Podcast live podcast awards and podcast awards event. Thought <laughs> uh, it was phrased kind of in a way that it would be like it's the first time that the iHeartRadio folks have done a podcast awards. It was kind of like it walked that line between saying it was the first. Oh, really? Saying it was the. I mean, <laughs> if you kind of read it, it was like, okay, are they saying it's the first? <laughs> Um, iHeartRadio podcast awards, or is it the first podcast awards? They right. kind of mixed it up a little bit. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay. <laughs> All but, right. Yeah, I think it's safe to say a lot of a lot of folks in the podcasting space have been around for a long time. It was a little bit of a head scratcher. It's like it wasn't really necessary to go there. iHeart could have just said they, they have having, a podcast awards, right? Yeah, they're having it's their podcast be this awards. Big deal. And play it up about how big it's going to be and how much advertising and publicity that they're bringing to the podcast medium in, in conjunction to it. That would have been a much more positive story for the company. Right. And, yeah. and uh, you look at the, the list of shows that have been, well, I don't know how they came up with the list of shows. Did they just wow. say, what are my top 20 uh, shows? And then let's throw some in here just in case. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they did that either, right? They aren't being very transparent about how the nominated list uh, was come up with. But I don't know that that's ever the case, even with the, you know, with the music awards that yeah. people do either, right? It's yeah. kind of like a closed club. I mean, sure, the Academy Awards kind of has an academy, right? Yep. That votes on these things. But I don't think iHeart has an academy. It's probably an academy of like two. Well, and they said they had this uh, very starstruck group of, of people that will be voting yet they said they're going to have li uh, live voting they're going to have people there <laughs> so i'm like okay what is it you're going to have this group of people doing voting or you're going to have live voting, live voting. so but you, you know what happens during live voting yeah. right <laughs> i am i have plenty of experience in what happens with this and live in live voting the script kitties get together and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, they have fun writing scripts to be able to vote and vote and vote right. and vote and vote and vote. So 
Um, I am sure there is a certain group <laughs> that said, look at this, go, huh, how, how can we twist this in our favor? Of course, if none of their shows part of their group are even nominated, they may not even bother. But Right, I would um, say so. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, so anyway, in the morning to everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and it's just another day in podcasting where I think I titled the show today, Radio Attitude Towards Podcasting. And I, you know, just it, they've, there's been a couple of articles recently, too, that. Well, there was one that basically said the adults are here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I titled my uh, speaker live show is radio going to help podcasting grow. So that, that was the title of my, my episode this past week on the speaker live show. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's plenty of rooms for award shows. Just don't try to make it uh, what it isn't. And just remember you're looking, you know, you've got the Latin podcast awards. You got the Australian podcast. Award. I mean, someone came up with a list. There's the Parsec podcast awards. There's the, right. the Webbies have been doing the, podcast awards too, which you can register for $300, to per- $300 to participate in the Webbies. 300. It's a deal, Todd. <laughs> well, to be honest with you to win a Webby, is a big deal. I know. It's it, a big deal to win a Webby. So that awards has been around for like 20 years. Now. Right. And it's really recognized. But most people, yep. you know, you really have to pay to play. You know, at least on my my and on the People's Choice podcast awards that I run, I try to just cover cost, which this year, you know, maybe I have to raise the registration a little bit next year, but I, I don't you know, 300, what I put $300 as a registration fee, like three people would participate. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you got to just kind of, you know, raise it as the profile of the event increases too. I mean, I mean, clearly you've got the momentum with the podcast awards. iHeart is just getting started with yeah. it. And I, they're I don't know how big it's going to be. I don't well, know how big their awards is really going to be. They took some of their bankrupt money. And, uh, you know, restructuring money that they screwed the bankers out of, <laughs> you know, this is, this be Frank, when you go into bankruptcy or when you, you know, when you restructure money, people get pennies on the dollars on their debt. Right. So they're going to take now their, you know, their financials are looking better. So we'll say, Hey, we'll spend a million dollars on, on a podcast award. So, because yeah. that's probably what it's going to cost them by the time they get done. So it's, it just depends. I mean, it, I mean, they're running national advertising. Now, granted, their company owns billboards and radio stations, so it's not going it to be a direct cost. To yeah, them, but it doesn't. It's, it's a write-off, though, Rob. They right, can every right. every ad they run, they can say, "Oh, that's uh, advertising." So, boom, yeah. you know, it's it's a complete write-off. Yeah, but if it does raise the profile of podcasting amongst the the general population out there that's not listening to podcasts today, they're listening to radio, then I don't know, maybe there's some benefits there. Um, so anyway, we shall see. So I know one thing though, that the event date conflicts with, uh, um, PodCon PodCon up in Seattle. It's a, it's the day after, and it's hard for those that are participating in PodCon, um, to be down in LA the day, the day before, unless they get, catch an early flight. Will any of those people actually be participating and, you know, does even iHeart even know about PodCon and probably the people that are 
Yeah, are any of those shows even going to be at PodCon? I I don't know. I doubt it. Well, it's not so much that. It's the industry people. I know a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of You're gonna the go? podcasting space uh, is going to be a PodCon, right? <laughs> so you, you have to choose between, I mean, unless you're going to catch like a, you know, like a red-eye flight or something uh, up from LA or something. Are you actually going to go? I don't know. That that's the big question. <laughs> I don't is, think so. Or is it but, even or is it even going to be is there even going to be tickets for us uh for us lowly independent podcasters? <laughs> I don't know. That's part of what they could have put uh, in their their announcement but they didn't. So Well, I will be just foretelling right now I will not be at the iHeart Podcast Awards ceremony. <laughs> I figured you probably wouldn't. Now, be if they hey, if they're willing to fly me out first class, Put me up in five star limousine service to and for the venue food. Hey, I'll, I'll attend. I'll even do a YouTube. I'll even do a YouTube video on it. <laughs> it's like a little cherry on top. Right? Yeah, there we go. Just get on my GoPro and walk around and yeah. So Brian says maybe it'll be an electro college and to text to vote for just three forty nine per text. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like American Idol or something. Yeah. Right? So everyone in the chat room, Eileen, hello, uh, Timothy, hello, everyone. Make sure you say hi. And we're, I'm, I am monitoring the YouTube chat as well. So say hello there if you're if you're watching on Twitter. Make sure you retweet. We're live. I do appreciate that, or we appreciate that. But yeah, other than that, it's in. A, I'll be honest, Rob. I got back and. Have I even been back a, a, a week? I'm just, it's, you know, when you can't remember what, well, I've got coffee in my hand, so I know what I'm having for breakfast right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just completely lost on what's going on. I think I flew, yeah, I flew back on Sunday, and I think I had the worst case of jet lag. I didn't get over it till really maybe yesterday. I, mm -hmm. I, I normally, like, two days, I'm right back. I must have got myself completely out of sync but uh no it's just been a it's been a nuts week it's just like anything else it's one thing after the other. and then friday <laughs> so every podcast hosting company um uses a third party you know none of us do our own credit card processing we, well we do right. but we have to use a, a company to do that yeah. and um we had transitioned uh to a new processor last year but we got some of the folks still on the legacy or on the older system you know they when their credit cards come due they'll you know they'll re-enter their credit cards or whatever and it'll and they'll update and they'll be on the new uh, the transaction host so you know that you see that line moving you see the you know the new processor coming up and the old processor going down and right. um so friday morning uh, i'm you know i'm walking here at 4:45, and i got my coffee and I click on the link and I've got like an extraordinary number of emails <laughs> and I'm like, what's this? And I'm right. clicking, uh, failure to process credit card, failure to process, failure, 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 failure. And I'm like, what's going on? So of course the dev team was already on it. They're six hours ahead of me. And, uh, ah, <sighs> You know, you got to love companies. They say, well, you know, maybe we should tweak the API a little bit. 
right. and you know make a little change here a little change there and they make you know they put these changes in place and they have a date to roll it out but the person that was in charge to send the email <laughs> that said hey we made a change to the api kind of forgot <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh two, three hours of, uh, you know, you're in a panic because you're trying to figure out what happened and you're trying, and you, know, and you have oh, no idea. And the, and the API documentation's not up to date and, you know, from the changes they made and you're like, you know, you're, you're, you're calling and, and people are going, I don't, I don't know. And uh, finally, well, about, it probably ceases your account creation process too, doesn't it? It does. So. It does. Yeah. Well, actually not because we transitioned to this new system. So the only people that are oh. on the old was renewals. Oh, I see yeah. But if it had been on the other okay. system, same deal. So, um, I was being, I was hair and fire, you know, pissed and, uh, Barry, uh, Kantz, our CFO, he, uh, he went looking for names on LinkedIn of all things. And, uh, he said, Oh, this CEO of this company went to the same college I did and not really in well, Barry was at a college as an adjunct or something and um, a vice president or, or whatever his title was. So we sent him a little LinkedIn message. Holy cow. <laughs> that worked. Uh, it was immediately like 15 minutes later. And you know who, which, CEO you think of a big company would read their LinkedIn messages, but apparently this individual did and uh, we got help <laughs> right away. And uh, it, it, it escalates. You know, you hear, you start out low and you know, tier one customer support and you go to tier mm -hmm. two, you know, and people yeah. are like, you know, giving you the, th but companies don't change your API on a Friday. <laughs> right. That's not smart. Yes. So I'm going to try to hasten our our um, exodus from that company at this point. But uh, anyway, it is what it is. So that's that's you know that's that was Friday. <laughs> you know, it consumes everything because you become you come to a dead stop. You're trying to you know fix your uh, your 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 revenue that isn't broke. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's important. You know, it's, it's to support your customers too, trying to keep them moving through the system. Yeah. Um, I know it was a week of, uh, speaking of, you know, coming waves of changes. I think we're starting to see the beginnings of, a of some, some changes that are happening in the medium that I don't know if we can entirely talk about Todd. I, I, I don't know. Oh, you're um, being very cryptic. I know I am. I'm sorry for that. Um, you know, and it's about. Spotify, right? To say that word, but so um, well, I I'll, I guess I can probably say one thing is right. that they, um, you know, up to this point, our stats API has been on the thirty second measurement window. I think, yeah, on the thirty second measurement window, and we just got the new API Are changing it to sixty change it to 60, but we have to make changes and they're, they're making updates to their API stats. So, and they, you know, it's, it's, it's very lovely how big companies do this. Oh, you have to have this done by this date, you know, instead of just saying, we'll migrate you in. Now I have to just 
tell the devs, you know, here's the project that was the priority. Sorry, you have to push stop on that and then move this one up. Um, yeah, communications is great. Yep. And then another change that potentially is coming is good, but I, I really can't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We probably shouldn't anyway until it's done. Yeah. Until it's done. Yeah. So I mean, it's all good news. Don't, yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's 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 really a direction that the, um, all of the platforms should be doing um, a little bit more, like you know, Apple and things like that. So I know I'm kind of beating around the bush on that a little bit, but um, I think we'll be able to say something about it in the next couple of weeks. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Yep. So, so it's all good news, though. Believe yeah. Me. But, um, yeah, and then it, yeah, it's really good news. So, yeah, anyway, so, you know, and then, and the feeding frenzy continues for Spotify. We're amazed, really. Um, I get a report on a daily basis that shows how many shows have applied to be over there. And right. it's, uh, yeah, the ingest, at least still through blueberries, you know, where they can come in and say, I want to be on Spotify. And I'm sure on your guys' site too, where they just, you know, they click the button, say, I agree with the terms or whatever, um, right. continues at a fevered frenzy. I mean, one other thing that they do do that is probably would be good for podcasters to know about is that they do, do have a process where they associate um, their submission to a, a particular platform. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not, you know, I've given Spotify feedback on this saying that that's probably not the best way to do it. Um, and then now they've got a public submission process too. So we are seeing some podcasters getting a little confused here and that they'll submit their show through our system using our feed. And if they have like their own, um, self-hosted feed, right. Um, that they'll go in and submit that self-hosted feed to Spotify too. And those in the Spotify system, those feeds clash. Yeah. And, and it's, creating customer support uh, people or, you know, from Spotify saying, well, which feed do we mm-hmm. want to keep as primary in the system? Right. Right. Cause you can't have two instances of a show in Spotify. Right? Well, we you shouldn't, we talked to them about that and supposedly they had the tech in place to stop that from happening. So, you know, probably at the front end, but I think that some made it through before they deployed no. because uh, we've had some, collisions happen. It's not happening as much right now, right. but the big thing that's happening on a regular basis is because each feed is assigned to a podcast host right. because, you know, like it was submitted through Spreaker yep. or, or Blueberry or whatever, mm-hmm. that to change that feed. So let's say you want to move from, <laughs> from Spreaker to Blueberry or from yep. Spreaker to Lipson, there's an email exchange that happens between Spotify and us to manage that transition, right? Yep. Yeah, for, versus them doing it like off of a 301 or something. For for us, there is no AKA transition. We've been told delist the show right. from I mean, Spotify. You can do that. Sure. And then have the new host submit the show. That's in, we didn't get any instructions to to do well, a to do a transfer. Well, we're so there'll be like uh, you know uh, an email exchange that happens b- between us and Spotify around <clears throat> which what's the new feed 
that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, if a show host reaches out to us and says, so I, I want- need to have my feed changed. No, I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things that if Spotify didn't necessarily assign a feed to a particular right. host. And the reason they. And the, those. Well, yeah, I know that there's a reason that they're doing that, but it's no other platform does. That. Right. It's for the stats. Right. And so the stats can get fed back to the right host. But that can be associated off of the the unique RSS. It could. It could. Yeah. So. But, um, you know, in in some of the issues we're having now is we had some people that signed up for hosting just to be on Spotify. Right. So they're canceling their service and um, (laughs) then going over and submitting on Spotify. And Spotify Spotify says. Yeah, off of a self-hosted. Right. And they said, well, you're already hosted over here. Right. That's happening too. And then they email us and say, Hey, uh, I can't submit over on Spotify. Well, you're already on Spotify. Well, I just canceled. I'm like, Oh, okay. So, you know, we don't necessarily, when someone cancels, delist them from Spotify because their media is cached over there. So we have to go through the process of, you know, manually unlisting them, which takes 24 hours, and then they can go around and submit. So, not a lot of those, but a few. So yeah, I am just actually surprised people would pay for an additional hosting. Actually, they paid for an, this. Okay. This blows my mind. They're self-hosting <clears throat> number one, number two, they come on and apply for a hosting to be on Spotify. They only host the media that they're going to be submitting as Spotify with us. They serve everything else self-hosted and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, you're paying for hosting. Why not just, use the hosting you, know, you, you paid for it but no that's whatever people have their reasons <laughs> well for for most of the times spotify didn't allow a um, self-host to submit their shows they had to be hosted with a platform like ours too i mean which is another one of those things that that kind of breaks the system somewhat i mean i mean sure we'll take new accounts there, there's no question right. there are sometimes other reasons why a show that's self-hosted would want to have a secondary um, feed because it, it does potentially get them into places like iHeart or, right. or other types of listening platforms that a self-host can't typically get into. But I know where you're going, Todd. Go ahead. <laughs> Finally, the secret decoder ring was revealed. Did, did, yeah. any, did anybody know that iHeart has a submission page? I dare say probably no one knew this. Right. I didn't know it. So someone was telling me, it was relayed back to the podcast awards, one of the Facebook friends. I said, well, I'm not going to be on, I can't be nominated anyway. I'm not on iHeart. And someone said, oh, you haven't seen this link? (laughs) I'm like, what? A link that's been out there since July. So yes, uh, there is a link. Is there any way you can pull it up? Let's see here. Let me show everybody. I shared it to, because I put it in the Robboy Slack channel. Let me see here. I heart. Uh, did we know about this thing? Yeah, here's the, here, that's, that's my response to my team. Did we know about this link? <laughs> uh, let me bring it up on the screen. Paste. And I have to laugh at their form. Let's see here. Um, right screen, four, five, oh, there we go. So it says, submit your podcast, required information, email, 
name a podcast, podcast RSS URL, and then podcast publisher. So I'm looking at this as a, and of course, it doesn't even, some of these are not even podcast host. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've seen some of the newer platforms c- coming into the space will we'll list like, uh, like Overcast as a place to submit your podcast or something. Yeah. They're totally misunderstanding. So comedy, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's stuff here that I've never, these aren't podcast hosts, you know, so it, it beats up, beats me, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. You have to go through and. Wondery, you can submit your show to Wondery. Well, you, 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 you can, you basically choose. And of course, Blueberry is not listed anywhere in this podcast publisher list. Is it says Spreaker in there? It says, is Spreaker in there? says publisher of of the podcast. And let me see here. Is Spreaker. I think I saw Vox Nest. Oh. Uh, let me go to the uh, bottom. Yeah, I think I saw it there. I think I saw yeah, it. Vox Media. But oh, it, that's not us. Okay. So Vox Vox Media Company. They're not a podcast hosting platform. No. Well, Dad University and uh uh, cinema summit and these, you know, it makes no sense what they have here. So you don't have to put something in there. So I added some notes. Uh, yeah. Blueberry podcast publishers, not there. And then you say, I acknowledge the iHeartMedia. media and we're really not, here's the thing. We're not the publisher. That's the problem. They're asking the publisher of the podcast. You know, Lipson is not the publisher of a podcast. They're a host Podbean, simplecast anchor. Those are not, and anchors in here twice. Um, they're not the publisher; they're the host, so they don't get it. Um, I acknowledge that iHeartMedia does not guarantee my submitted content will be used or published, and I agree that my submitted content may be removed at any time without any notice. Next terms of service: I acknowledge that my submitted content is subject to iHeartMedia terms of use found here. Click, which and to which I agree to be bound, also subject to DMCA. And I certify under perjury of per, penalty of perjury that the information from this subject is true and accurate. And I am an individual noted and I'm authorized to act on behalf of this podcast named above, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, this form was created on July 2nd, 2008. For those of you who want to know where it's at, it's at, uh, why do companies still do this? www.iheart.com forward slash content forward slash submit dash your dash podcast. So that list of uh, podcast publishers. <clears throat> oh, I see. Okay, I I just found it myself. Yeah. So, um, well, probably what they're doing here is they're they're confusing the concept of um, a a podcast network with mm-hmm. a podcast host. Right. So, because I mean, a lot of these it says okay, it says your podcast publisher. Yep. Publisher of the podcast, How Stuff Works, Crooked Media, those are networks, right, of shows. Yeah. Not not podcast hosting platforms. So shows so what they're catering to is if shows are from you know, SB Nation mm-hmm. or or you know, Wondery or whatever, you can identify yourself as a show that's from one of those networks, right? Now, so, and I guess that's, that's what they're doing here. I guess the shows, and I don't know if Geek News Center is on iHeart through you guys or through if this, but they have, they don't even have the latest episode. I'm in, I'm already 
beyond that. I'm at 1321. So they haven't even updated the listing uh, for my show on on iHeart. So uh-huh. let's look. Let's see what we have for for new media show. Yeah, it's probably. It's probably listed there twice, probably because it's part of the Speaker Live Show. Feed, uh, I, it's not even. I can't even find it. Uh, maybe the new media show. Let's see if they got it listed as that. No, new media show is not even found on iHeart. So you know we're not even over there with with this show. Oh so, yeah, I see Spreaker's listed twice in here. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at their library trying to find, um, you know, let's see if I can find the one that I just podcast legends to see if they listed that. Uh, is it on here? No, nope, nope, nothing. So, you know, some of the stuff I've submitted, let me l- l- try another one here. Gadget <clears throat> professor. And they're trying to get me to sign up for iHeart. Yes, it's not even it's not even coming up in the search. So who knows, you know? Yeah. But oh. I mean, it is what it is. <clears throat> oh, and then they list Stitcher in here as a podcast publisher. I guess that makes <laughs> sense now since Stitcher is the parent company. Yeah. So anyway, iHeart, uh, you can sub- you can submit. Good luck. It's probably just like that black hole on how Spotify was for years. <laughs> I'm not submitting over there. Uh, yeah, iHeart is caching. So, you know, st- no stats from them. It goes into... Well, yeah, well, we get stats off of iHeart. But, well, you know what? Yeah, it, it's only plays. It's only plays is all it is. It's, there's no downloads. Right. So, uh, Tom, hello, Greg, hello. Um, but hey, I should. I guess I can tease. Oh, I really can't tease because it'll give it away. I well, let's just put it this way: I'm expecting very exciting things in the February time frame for the entire podcasting space. Very, very exciting things. <clears throat> well, I do know s- something that's happening in that time frame. Oh, yeah. oh, you do? What do you know? Well, I'm. I probably can't say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we both have secrets we can't share. That's funny. Well, it's kind of there's certain NDAs. That oh, keep, oh, keep, oh, keep things from happening. Oh, so right? that so so that means. Uh, Who's left? Um, not uh, oh, which is what's the name of the company that is not yet the streaming company that's not yet uh, part of the uh, podcast party? Um, uh, I, yeah, I think it's a big one in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> so wow, okay, well, hopefully but, they are not doing something. You must be thinking of somebody else. Hopefully they're not doing right? something stupid like. Uh, Spotify did and only limiting it no, to they wouldn't do that Todd <clears throat> they're far far too smart for that <laughs> sarcasm I sarcasm I know it'll get us in trouble too sarcasm yeah. <laughs> I, I was being totally serious they're they're gonna get it right 
I'm watching Rob's expression. Anyone who watched the video can do so as well. We have to be careful. We're going to get Rob fired. <laughs> no, I, I mean, this big music streaming platform um, is, you know, will we'll be great for podcasting in the U.S. Well, we'll see. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's, it's, it is curious though on the looking at stats. Uh, it's, tr it's really, truly, uh, I'm, you know, and I, I would love, maybe what I need to start doing is asking some shows to send me their demographic survey because, um, certain shows definitely have a certain appeal on certain platforms right. and the, uh, it definitely is a, um, a bit of an eye opener, um, from that, from that standpoint, um, that some shows are do really rocket on Spotify and some don't. But I, I think it would be, you know, if we dig through and actually get the demographics of those shows, I, I would be willing to bet that the shows that are rocking it on Spotify have a, you know, their shows are a little bit more younger focused. I would just, I would just bet on it. Yeah, Eileen says, why is podcasting so secretive? Does everything have to be a surprise? I mean, what's the reason for all these NDAs? They, well, I'm going to tell you every, I mean, everyone that you talk to, um, in, the radio space, they don't talk to you unless you're under NDA. They will not, you know, they won't have, they won't forward a conversation because they don't want their marketing plans spilled to the world through a show like this. Right. You know, they don't want the, you know, they don't want me to say that uh, the Acme podcast company is launching on Tuesday. They want to have their own PR strategy. They want to have their own, um, you know, their own rollout and their, you know, these big companies, um, uh, you know, that are doing billions and sometimes millions of well, millions and billions of dollars in business. Uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, their, their marketing department makes any podcasting company in the United States uh, look like, you know, th they've got massive offices, you know, and teams. So they put you under NDA under threat of uh, life and limb in your wallet to not talk about it. Right. And it's very unusual that these things get enforced anyway, truth be told. So, but, but it's more just, you know, applying some, some respect to other people's wishes is kind of what it is all yeah. about. Yeah. Um, Todd, did we get a chance to talk? I, uh, maybe we did around the, the Australian radio company um, deciding that they were going to put a podcast working group together. I don't know if we talked. Hmm. Did, did we, we talk did, about did, that last oh week? Oh my God. Those of you in the chat room, did, did we talk about that last week? I can't remember if we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a radio group down in, down in Australia that decided that they were going to put, put their own um, metric standard, uh, working group together and come up with a podcast metric standard. Yeah. Well, let's reinvent the wheel again. I'm just, you know, if anybody down in Australia is listening to this and if you have any influence on the podcasting space, uh, Mr. Cridlin, um, well, you, he's also given feedback on this. I guess that the yeah. IEB down in Australia has, has accepted the the IEB V2 specs down mm -hmm. there, 
And, you know, some of the more significant podcast hosting platforms are kind of on board with that. This is just like a rogue radio group that, that works with a couple of podcast publishers like ACAST and Podcast One um, and does kind of some of the ad sales mm-hmm. for some of these companies thinking that they need to come up with their own metric standard because the podcast space doesn't have any metric standards. The common denominator, there's Podcast One. And right. Yeah. Right. So, so the, anyway, I think we kind of created a little bit of, this was like a week and a half ago, something like this, this came up and we had a little bit of a Twitter Um, stream going on. Yeah. And, and hopefully that group heard the feedback and heard, because I think it was, uh, I, I, I believe that, uh, James ran an article in his newsletter about it. Yeah. So, so anyway, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, I, I just spent <clears throat> literally four painful months. Um, well, it was like four years coming up. With this well, well, I just spent four yeah. painful months with an audit team. Uh, yeah, are you done yet? Are you done with it? Or? Okay. So here's, here's the short end of this answer. Okay. Um, yes and no. Y- yes. That I am uh, going to, uh, we're expecting something soon, uh, but there's an- another piece that will probably come 30 to 60 days later. And, um, and largely because we've, we've learned some things um, and we have to put in place, well, what, what we have to put in place is for the redirect customers, we have to put in uh, some additional terms that they have to agree to. And we have to do some auditing site by site for redirect customers only. Um, and the reason for that is, is that if it's very, very simple, if a redirect customer is not following the rules and doing any preloading or pre-caching of HTML5, it, uh, it just, it can jack the numbers. Um, and so we have to make sure that they are not preloading. Um, and it's usually very easy to see because all of a sudden you have this extraordinary amount of web browser traffic uh, and it, it really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, but that's what we have to do. We've, we've got to put some additional stuff in place and uh, we've done some extensive AB testing and um, they've got a real good handle on, I think, well, no one else has this data uh pod track maybe they've got their own information but because us and pod track i think that there's a think there's a third company that's doing redirect now too but um you know all our hosting customers are going to be being processed on raw log files and the those that are on redirect will stay on redirect but they're going to have to agree to these new terms um for certification and uh, we got to get that in place on our side and the team has um, has looked at the data. Um, they're satisfied with the, I guess, better word, controls we're having. Everything about this is more the the code piece of the audit was the most simple thing. That to me was, um, you know, the forty hours we spent going through line by line by line by line of code was the easy part of this um, certification. The hard part was 
all the auditing we have to put in place to make sure that we get all the logs. If we miss a log, we, we get a report that we've missed a log. I mean, all this like ancillary stuff to make sure that once it goes into the, the hopper, once it gets fed into the software code, that's, that's not a big piece. That's, that's the easy part of the certification. It's all the other stuff. And um, mm-hmm. so I think that most companies are going to be like, that's where they're going to be like, oh, we got to put this in place. We have to put auditing for logs. We have to, yeah, that'll be the the challenge. A lot of companies are going to, that was what we had a challenge with because well, what do we do for ESPN? We log into their server every day. We download the media, you know, right. if ESPN says, Hey, we looks like we're missing a little bit of data on the 22nd. We go back and we say, Oh yeah, something didn't feed. Can you talk to your CDN? No, no, no. Now we get the notice that says, hey, something happened on 22nd. We, we were missing three hours of ESPN's log data. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that had to be put in place as part of this this audit process. And uh, I'll be curious to see how this document is written um, when the certification comes out. So we'll probably be 30, 60 days to get all the stuff in place for the, for the rec- redirect customers, but the hosting customers may be good on day one. We hope. So I would imagine that they probably used, or they're going to use your process as a, as a example. Oh yeah. I hope of, so. of, <laughs> of what's involved in doing this and all, all the steps. I mean, you're the first as far as you know, right? There's one other. And we think both of us are done. Because they wanted some specific oh. data by a specific date because they think, again, they're not saying because they can't tell us. You know, I've right. asked, how many of you doing? And they won't tell you. But we kind of got a feeling that there's one other company that's at the same time is going to be done. So um, I have a speculation on who that is. But we'll see. We haven't been given a date on when we're going to get the documentation back. We haven't been, you know, we haven't been told when we're going to have our out chop meeting so uh, time will tell but it's largely been paperwork paperwork and some additional code we've had to put in place for these controls mm-hmm. so and we've learned a lot and rob i mean we've learned a lot we thought we knew a lot about stats we've learned more believe it or wow. it's hard to say that you teach an old dog new tricks but we have wow yeah. so is it not so much about how they're counted, but kind of all of the ancillary pieces oh, to, oh to no. validate. And how, to how it's counted up. is very, very important. <laughs> Big, uh, I mean, did you have to make changes to that? No, no, we have not had to make changes to how we count and how we process okay. the data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's all the, you know, but they did go through that piece by piece by piece because the specification lays out certain rules that we have to comply with and they make, they make sure that code's working. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think they wrote their own code to do validation because we had to provide them raw Apache log data to run on their system that I guess they built to compare it to ours. And they did their own AB testing against our data and they had free run of about, 10 shows that we asked permission for them to have access to that they used as the guinea pigs uh, to look at the data. So we had one, one group that one enterprise group that said, no, we don't want even it's, we understand what you're doing. We don't want them to have access to our data. So we only had one company say no, 
Um, so it just tells you the sensitivity on this. And this is, you know, they're, they're NDA'd up and they have an agreement, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, Angelo and, uh, and Lena at the, did the heavy lifting on all this paperwork that had to be done. Um, again, it's, you know, good luck to everyone else that's getting, go, has to go through certification. <laughs> well, we're getting started on it as well. So, yeah. Uh, can, it, it'll be a month or two of, I, I thought it would be just like a couple of weeks be done, you know? Didn't think it was going to be this involved. Yeah. Brad, um, hello. Daniel, hello. Rick, hello. And I think part of it too is that they, um, they were probably refining their process a little bit as well. Right. No, I'm sure they were. <clears throat> that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's the, really the, the professionalization of the medium is what the track that we're on right now. And it does kind of make you wonder as you look out, like maybe two years from now, how, how the landscape is going to be quite different. Um, because of this change. Well, I, um, I think the thing that I was surprised at, we all were like sticker shocked at how much it cost, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, based upon the number of hours these guys have put in on this, yeah, I understand why it costs so much. Right. Yeah, they, they definitely, and they probably build for us, they probably build twice, you know, because I got to thinking about it, how many meetings we've had and the hours that racked up, and I'm thinking, you know, I know what a firm like this would charge per hour. And, you know, if it was, if we had actuals in there, we would probably, you know, have to write another check equivalent to the check that we already wrote. Right. So again, we were the guinea pig though. And that's now they know. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's going to change the industry. Um, I mean, it could be a, and it's all going to change for the better because oh, yeah. hopefully we will all be on the same page when it comes to metrics and yep. we can just take this whole conversation of the wild, wild west of podcast metrics off the table. Off right? the tables. Mm -hmm. And, and then, then we start working on other things. <laughs> There's, that's not the, the end of the issues that we need to address in this medium. It's yep. just kind of opening the Pandora's box. I did actually write an article on my blog about the, do we need a professional association for the, for the industry again? Um, I, you know, you know I, we talked about this on the last show and uh, right. no one has bit the bait yet. Um, at least I didn't get any emails yet, but I know that this may be a topic at PodFest down in Orlando. Um, maybe a track. Um, I know someone has submitted a track request to talk about that. So we'll see if, um, if that gets approved. I, I really, at this point, um, we probably should have had one in place a couple of years ago. I think we're behind the eight ball at this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, there's nothing like the present to, to do it. If you want to read my thoughts on it, just go to robgreenlee.com. Um, and you can s see that. And I talk about the history of this stuff too. Um, the ADM and things like that and what, what we went through there. Hopefully we won't make the same mistakes that we made there. But, you know, again. but we're going to have to come up with three, four hundred thousand dollars to get something going because we got to put people on salary. There has to be people put on salary. Right. Right. It can't just be a be a volunteer. No, group. no, yeah. it doesn't work. You need to you need someone to lead the charge and get the charter and all that stuff put together. 
hire a lawyer firm to, you know, help with the document. Again, yeah. it's, it's going to probably half a million dollars to get it going. But if we split that cost across uh, 30 companies, 30 or companies. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, podcasters come in and you, you help make up the rest. But then again, you have to put in place before you can do that. You got to put in place membership fees. And as soon as you say membership fees and the regular podcast population is going to flip out. <clears throat> Or at right. least they did before. So let me just pull, let me pull the live audience here. What's the number? If you had a professional organization speaking out for you, you know, what would be the number? Is a hundred bucks a year? Would that be too much for you as a podcaster, individual podcaster? Would 50 be the number? 299? What's the number? Well, Todd, I think we have to think about, well, what's, what's the benefits of joining or what's involved on that side too, right? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, if a podcaster is going to invest 50 bucks or a hundred bucks in something, they're going to want to know, you know, how that's going to benefit them. Yeah. Um, that's just how the world works. Um, and, and that's what as a, as a group we need to come up with is, is the purpose of this, what is the purpose of, of this organization? Is it to market podcasting? to build audiences, then I think, uh, podcasters will invest in that. Um, I mean, if it's just an organization to support the big companies in the space, I don't know that they're going to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it needs to be an organization that's, that's, um, uh, that's going to have hierarchies, but it needs to be flat in how it thinks about itself. True. Um, where there's value driven to all levels of podcasters and not just the biggest companies. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a struggle for the organization, because I can envision, you know, like an iHeart and these bigger media companies coming into the association and wanting to kind of dominate it. And I think we just have to develop processes that doesn't really let, let that happen, right? Um, but then that may be limiting the involvement of these bigger companies too, which may be, that may be what we need to do. I don't know. I mean, it just needs to be an organization that's kind of more flat than hierarchical. Um, you know, I, it's going to create people with uh, resentments. You know, I look at the AMA and that's for, uh, amateur, uh, right. amateur folks that fly drones and remote control airplanes and stuff like that. Right. I think it's $80 right. a year for that, but we have, they have people that are in Congress and working with the FAA and, you know, they're, they're actively trying to get legislation put through. So I know how the money's being spent. Um, right. In YouTube, uh, the Sound Off podcast uh, comment was scale the price proportional to downloads. Well, then we have to have each of the companies do certification of a podcaster's downloads. I don't know if that's the answer, but maybe. Um, going back to something uh, Brett in YouTube said, could and this goes back to our stats conversation, could you create a consor- consortium to build the stats engine and get that certified? Then you can focus on, uh, USPS and save cost. No, these companies all, everyone's done their own thing. That, that, uh, that idea has left the barn. Um, and if you look at Brett at what we've done, we've literally spent millions of dollars in IP, or maybe not millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars in IP to build a stats system that, um, you know, we're not just going to, throw that off and on the shelf and go with a consortium. It, it doesn't make any sense to do that at this point. Um, 
not from a, it's not from a competitive standpoint in a perfect world. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's go back to Mike says a R R L N R I N R A O O A O P A. Uh, these all are groups that have, um, you know, have, uh, you know, models where people pay the EFF is on a donation model. I, I just don't think you get there with a donation model for something like this starting off to getting off the ground. <clears throat> no, um, probably not. And I think you have to have a set because, you know, again, the EFF is founded, they're set up I and mean, they've got a huge national worldwide uh, brand recognition with a podcaster association. You're going to have to, um, you know, you have to work with groups like the IEB. You're going to have to, you know, you have that person has to be the voice for for podcasters. Has to help uh, again if stuff comes up on the hill where we need to have our voices heard and, um, you know, codes of conduct and you know um, auditing information. You know, they could even be part of the, um, you know, the master keepers of the certifications and all this stuff that's out there that's mm-hmm. going on an association could uh but i don't know maybe we don't need it yeah well i do talk about other things that the the association can take on um and then also just you know i mean i hate to throw this you know what's the name of the association because that's going to be an important piece of how how inclusive it is right um you know like it could be professional podcast association, PPA it could be global podcast association, GPA or something like that. Those are some of the names that I threw out in the article, but the, the organization could work on standards around ad formats and, and actually getting the industry together <clears throat> around standard practices on ad sales and, and how things are presented to, to the ad agencies, working with the ad agencies to get some consistency in how we are selling this this medium. And obviously, we have the IAB involved already. So we're, we're starting to get the pieces together. It's just that there's not really any kind of standards around business practices, around how things are done on the advertising side, how host reads are done. Um, the you know fast approaching is this programmatic stuff. Uh, and, and there's going to need to be some standards on how we do things in order to have consistency across the industry and consistency around, um, you know, how this is done so we can drive the most ROI to the advertisers. Right. Because if it's not done right, you know, things can go sideways. Yeah. And someone said, go through a crowdfund method, a Patreon model. And, you know, I just, again. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure that's going to work. For a professional association, you need to have. You know how the IEB works. It is it's based on revenue, right. so I have to do a yearly disclosure of advertising revenue, not hosting advertising revenue, and then it scales. And it's it's an honor system per se. Right. I I don't know if they can come back and audit me, but you know we announce our numbers and our we pay a, a we write a check based upon the amount of money that we um, earn in advertising. And it, there's a base cost. The base cost to be part of the IEB is $11,000 a year. Right. Uh, that's the base cost. So, you know, if you're going to have a professional podcast association, you're going to go into a Patreon model. Again, you have to have a body of a sustaining. So we're going to ask someone 
or someone's going to step up and commit to be the dude or the gal that is right. going to form this thing. And they're going to have to have uh, resources. Right. And I can't understate that enough. They're going to have to have resources to do this. You can't, because what happened with the ADM, I don't know if we had dues, did we? I don't believe so. We had this loose consortium of people that formed it, and what it ended up being was a power play. Right. Individuals did it more for the name recognition and being, hey, this is, I did this. And then relied on the members to try to, you know, we're lucky we got anything done. Uh, I guess I, I would say the best thing that came out of the EDM was the initial podcast standards. Right. Um, which we use as the basis for the IEB standards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was the big thing that, that, you know, we got out of that. Right. And, and it certainly was good at the time but you're right it was a lot of infighting a lot of infighting power plays i mean there was things that are being decided behind closed doors and people were feeling left out and and it just wasn't something that was um being done at a professional level it was and i think back then i think people recognized in this medium that there was a huge economic opportunity here and a lot of people even in the 2008 time frame were seeing the the writing on the wall. I mean, it was the opportunities that we're seeing today in the medium uh, were felt and, and thought back then. I mean, going back a long ways, mm-hmm. but let's be honest. Uh, the, this medium did not start out as a commercially oriented mm-hmm. medium. No, uh, it was the opposite of that. It was like, and actually I'm, I wrote an article for this new podcast business journal, and I think you did it as well, mm-hmm. Todd, but, but that's kind of the theme of my article was how this whole thing started, right? And, and we just need to keep that in mind from a cultural oh, that's, perspective. That's this medium did not start as a commercial medium. It, <laughs> it started as an anti-everything medium. It was Anti-radio. Like stick, it to the man. Yeah, stick it to the man. Right. That's what this medium was built on. And right? I wish, I wish and some it, of that attitude would come back. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, all you have to do is, is look at what Adam Curry did back then. And, you know, he was the big fan or the fanning of that flame, right. Of, mm-hmm. You know, he was gonna, he, gonna destroy radio is what the theme was. And he had a big, big beef with like MTV and the radio folks. So he, you know, he right. truly wanted to stick it to the man. Right. And you could hear it in his show that he yeah. did every week. <laughs> <laughs> he was literally sticking it to the man. I think he was writing a, mu- a missile up there. Right. He's got know, some behind. great, great ditty uh, <laughs> bumpers that he plays even now on No Agenda. But it's like the when he was doing the Daily Source Code, yeah, it was just like, yeah, it's like, you know, double barrel middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> There was no agenda there at all. No, no. So things kind of settled down a little bit on that. So I think we're, we're beyond that era now. Yeah. That's, that's the culture of this medium. And I think (laughs) big companies need, need to realize that when they come into this medium and have, because I do think that that there is an undercurrent that still exists around that in this medium still today. Most of people listen to Um, this show. (laughs) Right. Right. I hope. I hope. Yeah. You know, 
I think we're, yeah. you know, we all welcome the corporate folks, but I sure wish they would just take a moment, if nothing else, just to acknowledge, <laughs> you know, where this has come from, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not asking, we're not asking for validation. We're just, you know, there's a lot of pioneers that spent a lot of time helping build this media. So, and then you come in and make comments like, you know, I'll be honest with you, that con, that one radio, that one article where they talk about the adults have arised, arrived, it really pissed me off. You know, I, I don't, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, you read something like that and the, the first thing out of your mouth is, you know, F you, <laughs> right. you know, and all, in all fairness, you know, it's like, who are you, you know? So yes, us children are, are being our adult parents. <laughs> Big money isn't, uh, isn't everything, right? No. And it certainly has not been everything to this medium. Um, you know, we're on this show, we're non-commercial. I know lots of shows out there are not doing advertising because mm -hmm. they, they just don't believe it for their audiences and they're not doing it for monetary reasons. So no, they're doing that it. still exists today. They're doing it to get together with their friends, hang out, talk, share a passion or, about a topic. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or build a reputation for themselves yeah. or support a consulting service or support some other business. If, if it doesn't have to come directly. The revenue doesn't have to come directly from the podcast. If 90% of the shows were getting advertising dollars that are not, you know, I think there would be uh, more discussions around this, but 90% of shows get no advertising. Right. So they could care less about it. Their right. audiences aren't big enough to make a difference. Right, and I know that over or the not, years, I shouldn't make a difference. Let me rephrase that because that's going to get sure. me some feedback. Uh, <laughs> it's not big enough to dollar wise to make a difference. Excuse me. Right, right. But there has been that, an undercurrent going back to you know I would say it probably started in two thousand seven or so where you know the podcast consultants came out of the woodwork. Right. And, <laughs> and everybody was trying to figure out a way to, you know, deploy, you know, donation models or whatever, so they could quit their day jobs. People yeah. wanted to do this full time. And that's kind of, this is, this is the culture of this medium. People wanted to quit their, their full-time jobs so they could podcast, uh, full-time and earn some income from it. Right. That's kind of where this started, right. The, this desire to make money from your podcast, uh, and it came from the independent side. <clears throat> well, so, Rob, the the number of consultants giving bad ideas is starting to tick up again. <laughs> we're st we're starting to see more of uh, more of it that comes through, and uh, you know, you and I are on a Slack channel that we're laughing a lot about some of the advice people are getting and uh, just banging our head against the wall, like I can't believe right. this person said this or that, and. Um, <laughs> you know, it makes you sometimes go, Hmm, it really, really does. And sometimes we're able to have some influence on people and say, Hey, are you, is this what you're really saying? And oftentimes people won't listen either. So, right. Well, and then the onslaught of, of these podcast promoters on LinkedIn oh, and, yeah. that are just like spamming, uh, podcasters in this space trying to sell, well, I can get you top ranking in iTunes or what, you know, and it's funny that they even use the term iTunes, which is an antiquated term. And if you look at the background of these people, they have no background in podcasting. They have no background or experience in anything really. 
they're just people that are tapping into a revenue share opportunity is what they are. Um, so anyway, it's, we've digressed a little bit on that side. Mm -hmm. So I've heard some rumors about some services that are, um, for a cash dollar amount will, uh, grow your show to an extraordinary number of downloads per episode and uh, are guaranteed to beat the the download system or download the metric system by changing user agents and doing all kinds of funky work. And if we're back to having to battle people like that again, and there's individuals that are willing to go that far to uh, try to uh, make their show look bigger than it is, I, I think it's a, I thought we were past some of that, to be honest with you. I think it's a, it could be a sad day if uh, if that's actually the case. Well, Todd, if I guess if there's money to be made, and I do think that this is an indication of what what the main topic of 2019 is going to be, and that's growing audience. I know we've been saying this all along, but that's the big thing that we as an industry we've got to get a handle on how we do this because if we don't. Um, you know, these scammers are going to come in and, and, um, make it easy for everybody to do that. Right. Well, to what goal? Oh, I have a right. million listeners. Right. Right. Exactly. But people don't look at it logically. All you know, the time. to what, to what goal is that? You know, yeah. you know, it makes you feel good, but then you go at night and then you got to go take a shower because you've just lied. Right. You know, yeah. Hey, yeah. Todd, I, Go ahead. Know, one topic that's, that's, I think, bubbling just under the surface, and, and you're starting to see it um, start to come up a little bit more and more is um, there's some larger companies down in Hollywood that are starting to, to make some, some moves and some signs that maybe we're coming into an era. And we've been talking about this on the show for a while of around fictional content. Um, you know, there's the Luminary folks. There's a, there's a, another company. I'm drawing a blank on the name right now down in Los Angeles. That's um, wanting to fund uh, projects out of um, old, you know, Hollywood scripts and things like that that didn't get made into TV shows. Um, so I think here this next year, we're that's going to be the next big wave. I think of content that's going to hit the medium is fictional content because we've been really living in the reality based content era for, you know, 14 years now, there's been little bubbles of, uh, fictional stuff that have come up, um, that has been fairly well accepted and, and successful, I mean, over the years, but I think that there's going to be a, a, a renewed interest in investing in getting fictional content from the standpoint of, this whole rumor about trying to create a Netflix of podcasting out there. And I think that there's a couple of companies running at this, uh, right now. And I think it's, I don't know how, how valid it is, uh, what the acceptance in the podcast market's going to be for fictional storytelling. Um, that there is some signs that it may have some traction. Um, and you think about people's interest in, fictional storytelling on the video side and you can see maybe there's something to this and we may see a, a whole new genre develop in this podcasting space that's um 
that's not reality-based, which is where we've been living uh, for 14 years now. Well, having talked to a bunch of TV executives as, you know, back in April, right. um, I'm not surprised, but I think that they're, well, depends on the network, their approach may be a little bit different. I, you know, I don't know if they're going to come out with type of content you're coming out with, but the stuff that I continue to hear about is supplementary, supplementary content leading up to a 12 week or 13 week, whatever television runs these days for, uh, for, yeah, uh, it's going to, it's going to blend those worlds together. Right? Yeah. They're going to agree with you. They're going to yeah. promote prior and they're going to have an after story after. And, uh, I think that will be very, very exciting if they actually put budget to it and do it and actually use the, in the actual actors as the characters in those, uh, in those episodes. And if they do that, I think that's a big winner. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I think, people eat it up yeah I, I think i just i remember the other company name that i was going to mention and i think it was the endeavor media folks i mm. think down in los angeles um they're so, also working on that so type of are they working well. with big companies that are like cinemax hbo those types or are they doing their own dealio they're being a little bit um coy about it right now i mean I know that the Luminary Media folks raised about forty million dollars in seed Whoa. capital about about a year ago. So, and it's taking taking a Netflix type of an approach to podcasting. Um, and this this Endeavor group, um, the fellow that's running that, came out of Panoply. So, I, I think he worked at Panoply a couple of years ago. Well, but he's been wor working on this project for for a while with a a group that's linked up with um, a talent agency. Uh, I think it's the large talent agency in LA. Harry Fox or somebody like that. Uh, I think it's the other one, William Morris or something mm -hmm. like that, or, or one of the other ones. Well, let's just be frank. <laughs> We've seen some companies pull their original content strategies. <laughs> so creating content, it's, it's not easy. No, so, it's not. No, you agreed. Have, you're going to have winners and losers. And uh, if they are willing to spend $40 million and create a bunch of original content, two thumbs up. Right. Go ahead. Right. Right. But you start doing production, true, true, true production where you have to pay people. <laughs> that $40 million is going to go. <laughs> it's going to, you know, that pile of cash is going to go down very, very quick. Yeah, I mean, there's some um, producers down in Los Angeles. I think a great example of it is the is Casey Whalen, who's actually been on this show. She he actually has been producing um, kind of fictional storytelling podcasts since about 2009. He did the We're Alive series, mm -hmm. and I I believe, and then uh, Scott Siegler is another one um, that's been doing. I mean, he's a yeah, he's well New York known. Times yep. kind of kind of bestseller. Has been doing podcasting since the early days. I think he's been been around for for a long time, and um, and he's been doing stuff. And I know I saw him down at DragonCon. I mean, he had a session down there, um, and and he's got a passionate following for the stuff that he does. I mean, I mean, he even has his own conference. Um, I've read his books, so, you know, he does right. good stuff. 
Right. So he's got a passionate, passionate fan following out there. So, you know, these are just kind of leading edge examples of what I'm talking about, that we're seeing the bubbling up of some of these newer companies that haven't really, you know, seen the light of day quite, quite yet because they're still, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. I mean, how do you build a, a content portfolio out of a fictional base that's, that's storytelling? I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult, but as you think about, you know, these, these companies starting up and they're not necessarily all out of Hollywood, but they're kind of from that, that Hollywood culture, right. And trying to tap into talent agencies and things like that. I know that the Endeavor audio folks are, I think they're, they're actually based out of New York city actually, but, um, but anyway, this is something that I'm sure that we'll talk about more. And I'd actually like to have some of the, the leaders of some of those companies on this show to talk about this development and what they're working on, because I, I think it could be the kind of like the next big thing in the medium. Well, hits are, uh, hits are hard. hard. To come by. They are. <laughs> right. Yeah, they are. So I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, I was just looking here on, uh, I had it loaded. Maybe I need to look at the page again. I was looking at pod news a little bit and, yeah. um, you know, there was so much stuff that came out of Australia. That was what kind of dominated the news almost uh, here for, you know, the last week or so. And, yeah. um, but just a lot of, uh, you know, one thing I know that uh, James has been doing is highlighting a bunch of podcasts as well um, in his newsletter. If you guys aren't signed up to podnews.net, make sure you do. It's a, it's a daily Monday through Friday newsletter that gets a lot of, uh, gets a lot of, uh, a lot, of, a lot of little scoops. He's, he's doing real good on that. Yep. But I'm just looking through this list and I'm just seeing, you know, Limetown. I'm talking about, uh, see an article on 11 year old Matt Genus who's hosting a podcast. And so there's lots of cool content coming out. I think there's so much that we can't consume it all. That's for sure. But, you know, I, I don't know, Rob, on this audience growth thing, I don't get, I don't know if you hear that from podcasters a lot, I'm not, I don't get that as a, you know, as a, something that hits our inbox a lot with podcasters saying, I need to build my audience. I can't build my audience. Um, I just, I don't, that, that, that just doesn't, uh, come into our support line and maybe I, I just don't hear that. So it's kind of interesting that you continue to get hammered by podcasters asking you how to build their audience. Well, I mean, it's just one of those questions that they ask, right? Of, I mean, some people are wanting to um, just grow their audiences and what they're finding is that it's not growing as fast as they would like it to. I think this is just a common theme that's been in oh. the medium for, for a long time. And I guess maybe I'm kind of in a position out there, um, kind of on the front lines, maybe on people giving feedback like that. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know why, it's just, it's, it's just been that way for, for a while. And I, and it does kind of follow and make sense if you think about, you know, podcasters and what they would, I mean, everybody wants to grow. So it's not surprising to me. I wouldn't say that it's like reaching like a fevered pitch or anything like that. Um, but I do think as you think about it, maybe it has something to do with the fact that we're offering monetization tools, um, that are, that are available to any podcaster is that they're, they're seeing, you know, if I can grow my audience, I can, I can make more revenue. So, mm -hmm. so there may be a little bit of a, 
dollar motivation here. And I, again, I, I think, I don't think the majority of independent podcaster, independent podcasters are so much worried about the dollars. I, you know, I've, I've continued to say that there's three groups and that group is, you know, the third, the first group are, you know, the, the top shows that are, you know, they're really focused on, you know, monetization and that that's the name of the game. That's their, you know, that's their, that's their goal. And that's five, six, 7%. And then you have another group that wants to monetize and our audience is big enough and, and can monetize. And that probably makes up another 10 or 15%. So, you know, and then the rest, the 80% or 75% or whatever I was left in my fuzzy math there are folks that are sitting down with their girlfriend or people that are sitting with a, a spouse or their kid or doing a solo show. And, 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 and I think a lot of times people are doing podcasts to talk about stuff they're passionate about, or even it's almost like therapy, you know? And, um, so I think you have a lot of shows that are, you know, a big 75, 80% that are like that. Right. And those are the folks that, you know, I don't think are going to be, yeah, they want a bigger audience, but someone did a, uh, a posting where they actually took a picture of 50 people, a hundred people, 750, a thousand, 5,000, 15,000 actually show how big those audience sizes were. And, and if, you know, the analogy I've always liked to share is, you know, think about where you work and then think about your boss or your boss's boss and how many people that he or she gets to um, uh, influence on a daily basis by decisions or commentary or uh, company memos that come out, you know, usually um, your in because America's full of small businesses is that your boss might have influence on 20 or 25 people or 50 or, you know, it all depends on the company. Of course, Mm -hmm. if you work for Microsoft, obviously that's a much, you know, that, that company's boss has a lot more influence than a small company's boss. But it is you as a podcaster, if you're reaching a thousand people a month or an episode, that's really good. That's really good. You know, you're reaching a thousand people. And if you visualize a thousand people standing in your house. Yeah, I saw on, uh, was it uh, the podcast movement Facebook group? Yeah, that's where it was. Somebody posted a, you know, you know, pictures of. Yeah, it was a little decoupage. Yeah, exactly. Of what, what a, you know, a hundred people look like, right? Mm -hmm. People don't, can't visualize that when they're doing a show. They they think I only get a hundred people listening. Right. It must be a failure, right? Right. But no, that's what a hundred people look like. I mean, how many chances do you have as a as a business person or a presenter to present to a hundred people? Right? right. If if we have a hundred people show up for our sessions at at Podcast Movement, we're happy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're like, yeah, great audience. Thanks yeah, for coming. You know, this is something that we can do. You know, once a week, right? Or whatever. Right. In this medium, and and some shows are getting five thousand. You imagine right. what a picture of five thousand people yeah. looks like. Yeah, right. Or if yeah. you get in that twenty or twenty-five thousand, you then you're like you're filling some college football stadiums. You know, right. you think about that impact. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and and you know, I always tell podcasters, you got to leverage your audience. You know, your hundred people can bring you, you know that circle of influence, you know, they tell eight people, maybe one listens, but still it's, it grows, 
you know, continue to build the circle of influence. It's just like on my show, I tell my audience and my sponsor segment, I'm like, listen, you know, if you've already got a product, uh, if you already got a domain or you got to go to a hosting account with GoDaddy and you don't need another domain name or you don't need another hosting account, tell your friend or link back to my promo page from your Twitter account or Facebook because it's it's like a it's almost like an in-kind donation because it just someone will see that and go click and they'll come over and like, oh, yeah. And uh, so that's, you know, it's the same same theory as building your audience, but I use it to help keep my sponsorship numbers where they need to be. Yeah, no, that's true. Hey, Todd, I was just uh, looking at an article from from TechCrunch talking about the future of podcasting, right? What is the future of podcasting? And I love this 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 particular headline. It it, it kind of um, it kind of encapsulates what I was talking about earlier. I'm not necessarily agreeing with this. I'm just saying this is what it says here. Podcasting's future looks more like Hollywood than NPR radio. Um, It's an interesting kind of perspective if you stand back and you look at it, right? Now, I mean, not Hollywood from, you know, celebrity kind of stuff, but more like, you know, content that's more mainstream, more kind of entertaining, um, where NPR can be a little bit, Blase, sterile, kind of like too monotone, right? Exactly, and then and people don't have always. It's not exciting content. It may be thought provoking. Yeah, the uh, cool, maybe, soft tones yeah, it, of it's the soothing. Ugh, it may be informative, puke. but but is it really entertaining? Does it make its audience go on a roller coaster ride of emotions? Right, like a TV show does. Right. Uh, and that's the big question there, right? Is, you know, as podcasting kind of moves through and that, I think that's where this discussion of, um, are, are we going to see a Netflix of podcasting where, and when you say that, that's more of a subscription thing, right? So it's not the free ad supported stuff. It would be like a paid, paid model, probably a little closer analogy to what audible is, um, would be the, the analogy. But I, I do pull back and say, well, why do we need a Netflix of podcasting? We have Audible, <laughs> you know, hasn't Audible played that role? <laughs> right. So. <laughs> oh, Rob, please. Audible does podcasting. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, really at the end of the day, right. Can you really have a Netflix of podcasting yeah. when everything is behind a firewall? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Good luck with that. Right. Because it's, I mean, podcasting is an open RSS based distribution method. I, right? I've, you know, I continued to say this and I've, I've and I, in, in people that sometimes will send me email when I make this comment, but I truly don't understand why people listen to NPR, to their content. To me, it's the most boring, monotone. <laughs> it's, you know, in all, oh, I want to sound like NPR. Really? <laughs> Good luck with that. Go ahead and and match. And, you know, there was probably a time that I thought, hmm, I'd like to have my show sound like NPR. But as I started sampling NPR content, I just, I just like, and like <laughs> you know, I, the, it's so it, soothing, Todd. You know, if you want to get, it's, get put to sleep. It, 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 the vision that comes into my head, and I'm sorry if this makes you mad uh, or anyone mad, but back oh 20 plus years ago when i was in the navy the um 
I, I flew a team across the country and we landed in Washington, D.C. And one of the guys on the team, um, his folks lived in Georgetown. And um, he says, well, it's, it's a big, beautiful house. You can come there and, and we can just hang out. We don't have to go to a hotel. Bad decision. So we, we went to this place and it's one of these. Um, and if you live like this, and you like this style. It's cool. But it was like this. You walk in and you're like, uh, do I dare even sit down? You know, do I dare touch? Do, you know, do I eat actually on their dining table or do I go into the kitchen and eat on the counter? It was one of those types of like really renowned, stately, probably had a cigar room or whatever. So in my head, anytime I hear NPR, I think about that home in Georgetown and someone sitting, smoking a cigar and listening and to to NPR content, it just <laughs> right. That's the vision I have of an NPR listener. It's probably completely wrong, but that's what goes through my head. And it is as whacked out as it is. Um, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people li- listen to NPR <laughs> in their car when they're driving into work, um, and then they listen in their kitchens or whatever, probably on their uh, yeah. Their, they're, they're Amazon smart speakers. Oh, I just, I just see the stately person, you know, who's, uh, you know, involved in politics and he's, he's, you know, he's been to a, uh, hundred thousand dollar, uh, um, you know, steak dinner done by the local, you know, whoever, you know, I, right. I, I sorry. I'm just, I'm not an NPR fan. If you guys haven't figured I, that I, out I, already. I tell Todd. Yeah. <laughs> so Rick says NPR is like listening to a golf tor- tournament on the radio. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that's good. And if um, you love NPR, great. More power to you. Have fun in your cigar room listening to NPR. <laughs> so, Todd, the same article in TechCrunch, if you want to go see it, what, what's next for, for podcasting? It's got another section in here. It's called, Would People Pay for Podcasts? Okay. And uh, good luck with that. The example that it gives, which is humorous, is it, it talks about China. China is inverse of the Western podcast market. The Chinese podcast market dwarfs that of the U.S. because it is norm, it's a norm, to Mm -hmm. pay a subscription for shows rather than relying on advertising. Uh, This is is what he said. In the Chinese market, um, the, the estimate of paid podcasts is $7.3 billion in 2017. That's what this guy's saying. Yeah, I'd heard that on the Chinese market. We need to find some Chinese that are making some serious money like that and ask them. But, you know. But that's not a podcast, is it? No, and this is the U.S. formula to me. Free. No one wants to pay. $7.3 billion? Really? Is that one? I mean, I understand that the the Chinese culture is very strong around education. And Mm -hmm. from what I understand, what we're talking about here is this is an educational content. Well, if that's the case. People are willing to pay for it. Well, they're fanatical about it. Right. You you know, they make their kids study to the point of dying. Yeah, right. Literally. Right. You know, and it's to be frank. And that's why it's all about passing a test. They have to pass a test. 
and, and I won't get into Chinese culture, but you know, the big part of their non-creativity is because they've been so structured to studying and memorizing. That's why they're masters at IP theft. Duplication. Right? Duplication. Right. That's the key word. And that's their education system trains their brains that way. And you can't untrain that. Yeah. So this, our writer is correlating the success in China with the story around, well, we know consumers in the West are willing to pay subscriptions for film and TV for ad free streaming music. Well then why not for podcasts? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not sure that the, there's really a connection here between what's going on in China and what's going on here in the U S there's very, or, very, very, very few shows in the space right now that have had success on a monetization scale of being paid content. There's some, right. you know, right. but it's, it's a small percentage point. I, you know, I continue to be amazed episode after episode and we keep, I keep going back to it, but you know, if you really want to truly build a model, I'm, I'm just being frank. If you want to build a model that has a show that will sustain you, you need to learn the no agenda formula. You got to go listen to Adam and John C. to work. You got to right. listen to their formula, but most people are not willing to put three hours or two hours and 30 minutes twice a week into this high of a production. I mean, it is a, those two guys are full time doing this show and they are working their asses off uh, in between shows, collecting information, collecting clips, um, making analysis. They work for every penny they earn and their audience highly rewards them. Um, If they're not doing so good, they have to beg for more, literally beg for more donations. Um, Their model's unique. So I think if someone wants to have a model that is listener supported, you have to, you have to do, you have to go like to the, to the next, like step it up 10 times to make it happen. We could do it on this show. We could have all kinds of production. We could have like jingles, lots of fun. We had people submit stuff to us, but uh, Rob, I wake up an hour before the show and we turn things on and go. Right. I mean, we're both working so hard Monday through Friday that, this is there's no way this can't be a show that we we no. put that much energy into Mm-mm. i mean i mean and it's it's contrary to what the format of the show is right. i mean it's just like us getting together at starbucks yeah. we just show up and talk about this medium and sometimes we talk about interesting stuff sometimes we talk about boring stuff and it's you and i kind of natural conversation you and i rarely talk during the week and when we do it's about something i've said somewhere that you're looking for some insight on or something you've said and i'm right. looking you know and it's just you know we do a five minute phone call and boom we're off and we're you know right. that's that's it so i think most podcasts are like this you know yeah. maybe they got one ringleader that's doing some work to get some show content ready but right. uh I love this format. I love not having to prep. Right. But, but we are seeing the inverse happen in this medium too. It, you know, like we've been talking about True. here is, you know, once you start getting into fictional stuff, then you're getting into SAG actors, you're getting into performers, you're getting into Foley effects, you're getting into all sorts of areas that add cost to production. You're, you're dealing with a lot of post-production 
um, and then marketing and then advertising and then all these layers that add costs to doing a podcast. And that's what's really interesting about this medium is that it is the full spectrum, right, um, of content that's produced loosely like this show and then content that's being produced, you know, like a house of cards or something like that. I mean, it, it's, it can be like that. The question is, is, are the revenue models there to support it? And I think that's the, that's the big thing that everybody's wrestling with. And I know that there's investors out there that are, you know, putting their, their dollars on the table thinking that, uh, there's big money in podcasting. And I, honestly, I'm not sure that there's a lot of evidence that that is likely to happen, but I guess there's going to be some that are going to give it a run, give it a try. I wish them luck and anything they can do to draw more attention to the podcasting space, the better. Well, I'm sure that that will fall from it. Right. I mean, you start getting, I mean, just look at what happened with cereal. I think it, it definitely bumped up the awareness of the medium, right. That, that definitely helped us just like uh, what iHeartRadio does. I know we were a little tough on them, but (laughs) at the end of the day, they're raising awareness for the medium and that is good for all of us. You know, and that's, Um, that was the only reason was that I, you know, that go back to the core of why I launched a podcast award was to build awareness in the, in the medium. If, if I'd have done the podcast awards to get rich, I would be in the poor house. I would, you know, this, it's, it's not an endeavor that is a, is, you know, Oh, you're making a lot of money. Uh, Wrong. You know, so, you know, if I account for my time and actually would charge for my time, yeah, it's right. so, yeah, that was, you know, that's the only reason. And yeah, of course, what, what does it do? It builds awareness around the space, helps shows grow. That's the goal. And if iHeart does that, then congratulations. They've, they've achieved what they were looking to do, but uh, they need yeah. to get their heads out of the sand and start understanding that, uh, you know, there is uh, us, us meager little pauper independent podcasters out here too. Yeah. <laughs> And it would, it would be good for them to kind of embrace that, um, and make it part of them. They won't, uh, they won't, no, but it's not no. necessarily in their culture to no. actually do that. No, yeah. they don't know how to do that. Yeah. They, they're well, trying to figure out why they got such a visceral negative reaction and, and it wasn't even fed. I didn't, I said nothing for like, you know, for a day yeah. or so. Yeah, I you didn't know. say that much either. I was just <laughs> saying there was definitely an opportunity there that was missed. Yeah. If they would have they would have asked a few people in the space that uh, understands the culture of the medium and uh, and you know, put out a little olive branch on Date that side. Culture. We have culture, Rob, of the space. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> it's a pretty significant culture and it's complex yeah. too. It's we need not, to protect the culture. It's not an easy one for somebody new coming in to understand because no. there is a 15 year history here. Um, We've been podcasting for 15 years, 14 to 15 years. Todd. <laughs> I'm 14 plus at this point. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're, and I've, I've been doing a lot of this way before even podcasting started. So I've been, there is a culture here. Um, and just like on the music side, music has culture too. You so know, it's the same kind of thing. So for the listeners, is culture important in the podcasting space? I, personally, I think it's, it is what is the podcasting space. What makes the podcasting space unique is the culture. Right. You know, and it, 
And that translates into the kind of content that's produced, how it's monetized, how people in the industry perceive themselves, uh, and how they evaluate um, things that happen in the medium. Yeah. I'm, it's through that that lens or that filter. I still truly think it's uh, we need to go back to stick it to the man type of mantra and, <laughs> you know, get our pitchforks out and, our, our, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it down. Well, you know, I, podcasting killed the radio star, right? That, that that could be a little consistent with what's happening much more broadly in this country, too. So actually, but, yeah. actually, what it is, Rob, is the <laughs> the the the, uh, the the radio gurus want to kill the you know they want to suppress <laughs> the children, the podcasting children. <laughs> But Todd, why do they even care about us? I guess they don't the care. The That's day. the thing. They right. don't. They right. don't. Don't. They yeah. don't care. They don't even know that they're causing hate and disconnect. They just don't know, <laughs> or they could care less. They don't. So what? We're, we're radio. We don't care if it hurts your feelings. They don't care. Right. It's you know. Right. Yeah. We it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So we just have to understand they don't care because <laughs> they truly don't. For them, it's about dollars. Well, it's about their their agenda and what they want to accomplish. Yeah. I think if if you purely think about it from a marketing perspective, then this was an event that was created to generate exposure for iHeartRadio. Right, right, of course. So it wasn't an event created to build an industry. Yeah. It was an event to it's just a promotion. Of course, that's kind of how, how we all have to look at it. Yeah. And if we all get a benefit from it, from their their spend in the radio markets around the country, then then it is a win win for everybody. Yep. So, Rob, we're we're way past. We're way over. We are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's starting to be a. It's been beautiful here in Honolulu. I know the rest of you are chilly, starting to cool off. But right. uh, weather's been. Trade winds have been back. It's actually pleasant here. And you know, a year from now, I'm probably going to be freezing along with the rest of you. So, uh, oh, you will be, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that uh, th those plans are marching forward. Do so, so, you have anything to to announce on that front yet? Nope. Uh, except nope. that uh, uh, my timeline is uh, flexible right now, so uh, I would expect to see movement happening um, early spring. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So, yep. that's a good time to 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 make changes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when when it does happen, we will probably be off the air, video wise, for at least a month or more, uh, right. just because of moving and packing and you know, sending stuff across the ocean. <laughs> yes, that's true. But and but I think we're back next. Next week, right? The yeah, third? and yeah, I do, and I, I just got to double check. There's a date that I have a conflict. I'm, and I'll let you know, Rob, if we have to go later, and because I, I'll have a, I've got to pick. The clocks change sometime too. I think that's the fourth or something. So, um, right. anyway, I'll let you know if we have to go an hour earlier or hour later. Um, yeah, I think they change like on Saturday nights or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. I'll let you know. But hey, we had a great crowd, a good uh, group on YouTube. Thanks for the comments on YouTube. We had uh, lots of people on Facebook today. I know that uh, even uh, we've had some good views on Twitter and so forth. Uh, let us know uh, where you're watching live. 
Send comments to either Robert and I on the show and topics that you want us to cover. If you've got any hot, juicy, off-the-press items, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got something secret that you found out that you want to share and get out in the airways, we're, we're all about that. We protect our sources. So Todd at Blueberry.com. At Geek News is my Twitter. Rob? Uh, Rob at uh, voxnest.com. If you want to reach me over there, uh, you can also find me at robgreenlee.com. Um, that's, that's a blog kind of landing place for, for me. Um, so, and then on Twitter at Rob Greenlee with two E's. So, so we appreciate everyone's uh, hanging out with us today and, uh, the commentary in the chat room as well. So, uh, Tim, thanks, Rick, uh, all you that were on, uh, Eileen, everyone that was on the, on yeah. the live chat. We definitely appreciate you. All right. We'll see you next week. Everyone take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.